Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, today is going to be the first of four interviews I conducted with a Greek man by the name of, and I'm going to butcher this, Lucas Gortsoyanis. Gortsoyanis. But before we get to that, let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from biminis to dodgers, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service, and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. Well, I'm probably going to piss off a few more people because that seems to be my habit when I've made comments on the um, what I call the scamdemic, the, the uh, China virus scamdemic. I've gotten some emails and actually lost a few patrons uh, as a result of my comments. But, you know, you're not going to buy me off for five bucks a month. I don't care who you are. But I'm still a numbers guy, and I, and I like to actually look at numbers. And so I did a little research, and I'm going to share the results of that research with you. Now, according to the CDC, and this is directly from their website, if you're age 0 to 19, you have a 99.97 chance of surviving the COVID, the dreaded COVID if you're from 20 to 49, a 99.98% chance. From 50 to 79, a 99.5% chance. And if you're 70 plus, 94.6% chance of surviving the dreaded COVID. Well, I decided to actually look at the mortality tables, which are available from the Social Security Administration. I, I got bad news for all of us people over 66 years old. First of all, the chances of living until you're 70 years old is only 74.79%. In other words, about 25% of the population has died off before they reach 70 years old. And between 70 and, according to the Social Security tables, and 110, you have a 100% chance of dying so that 94.6% chance of survival rate for the dreaded COVID is about the same as the normal mortality tables. hate to tell you that. But we shut down the entire world economy for a non-event. 
Now, you can go and do your own analysis at the Social Security website and find the mortality tables and look at exactly what I'm telling you. The chances of living until you're 80 years old are only 50%. At 90 years old, chances of living to 90 years old are only 18.47%. So I'm on the downhill side significantly. So just think about that when we shut down the world economy and start questioning the motivations for doing this. What would the government motivation be? Well, governments are always after more power and control. And the power they gain by locking you up and the control they gain by basically restricting your freedom of movement. One other comment on the COVID, the dreaded COVID. I had lunch last week with one of my professors from the University of Utah in the geography department. And we talked about the COVID for a little while And he made the comment, he said, you know, I don't know anybody, who knows anybody that has died from the COVID? It's always somebody knows somebody that knows somebody else that died from the COVID. And I got to thinking about that. I deal with older people. I have clients that die off and on all the time. But, you know, I have not had a single client die from COVID I did have a client last month that died from a heart attack, but he was elderly, and quite honestly, it was probably one of the best ways to go. I went to his funeral and actually talked at his funeral. So no, I do not know anybody, and I don't know anybody that knows anybody that has died from the dreaded COVID. And of course, I shared that report that came out of John Hopkins with you a few weeks ago about the change in statistics from dying from cancer or heart disease or anything else. So now it's all being attributed to the COVID, in spite of the fact that it was probably some other disease that actually killed the person, and they just happened to have a speck of the COVID virus in their bloodstream at the time. The PCR test has been widely pointed out as being massively inaccurate with very, very many false positives. And, of course, that is what is used to justify the, the lockdowns, the PCR tests, the positive test results. Not the death results, but the test results. And, again, I encourage everybody to be able to think for themselves and express differing points of view. I am not in favor of any censorship of opinions. And like I told you, I went to Parler, and, of course, the big tech companies – this week shut down parlor. I think an absolute violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, again, I tell you about every person that uses Twitter, that is worth about $234 to Twitter. So if you want to hurt them where it really hurts, quit like I did. Walk away. Just walk away from Twitter. Walk away from Facebook Use other search engines other than uh, the Google search engine. Use DuckDuckGo, which is what I do. Use browsers that don't track everything you do, such as Brave. Anyway, just my thoughts. Let's talk about the ranch for a second. A couple things happened to the ranch. I did get my variance. I had to go through the rigmarole of pleading my case to be able to put up a garage on my own property 
the planner actually su- suggested they did not. She, her opinion was that I should not be allowed to build my garage. But the committee, which is a lay committee, thank God, not a bunch of government bureaucrats, saw that it made no sense to restrict me and allowed me to uh, basically gave me my variance to build my garage where I wanted to build my garage, which made the absolute most sense. My comment to this planner was, any reasonable person will grant this to me. And thank goodness I had reasonable people sitting on the committee. <laughs> ah, all right. So a couple weeks ago, that was over, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday, we, we started hearing barking, a lot of barking. And a few years ago, I actually heard a pack of coyotes attack and take down a calf moose across the river. And I thought, oh, I wonder if that's happening again. But it it was across the river and up the valley, and it kept getting closer and closer and closer, this pack of barking. Barking, I thought it was, I thought it was wolves or coyotes. I've seen one wolf track up in our property, but they're not very common. But coyotes are. Coyotes are fairly common up there. And... It got closer, and this barking got closer and closer and closer, and suddenly we see running through our yard a pack of nine hound dogs. And all of them had GPS collars. There was nobody with them. They had been released into the National Forest uh, by the by the Forest Service to try to track down a mountain lion, and they were tracking this mountain lion down and came right down through our valley. I never saw a mountain lion. But I know they're there. And they basically tracked it down through our valley, kept going and going and going. And what we found out is they uh, they did eventually tree the lion a couple canyons over. And I'm not sure what the Forest Service did with it. It was really interesting to watch this pack of, or this, I don't know if you call it a pack, but yeah, a pack of, of hound dogs sniffing and running around and sniffing and running around and working their way down and working their way down. And eventually they did tree the mountain lion. But we do have uh, permits to take mountain lions in Utah on occasion. It's not something I'm interested in. But uh, but we do have quite a few mountain lions in Utah. So that's the, uh, that's the only report from the ranch. Well, I got an email, which sort of surprised me. It came to my business email account and not my med sailor email account. It's from Gregory, and Gregory wrote, I've been a Patreon for a bit, a lowly $5 a month. Hey, it doesn't really matter how much. I just appreciate your patronage. That was an editorial comment. I enjoy your podcasts, although haven't listened to them much lately since my gym has been closed in March. <laughs> in any event, a question for you. I share a 44 Beneteau in San Francisco Bay Area. I'm a decent sailor, still a lot to learn. I'm looking for a suggestion for possible routes in late summer, early fall in the Med for a bareboat charter trip with three friends. My crew is pretty green, but okay before they drink too much. None of us have ever chartered a boat or sailed outside of California. We like to sail. We like wind. We like to go places each day where there's activity. Actually, they do, not really me, but I go with the majority, but not crowded. Club music activity, but not crowded club music activity. I'm not sure if that means 
not crowded, but you want club music and activity. But nonetheless, we'll try to answer it. Just interesting locals and regional tourists. Some bars, eateries, good local food, wine, etc. Destination most days, two to five hour daily sales. Where there is some interesting activity is great. We like good weather, but it need not be perfect if we can avoid the crowds. I'm nervous about Medmore, never have, but I suppose I'll get over it as needed with some practice. We sail in some pretty good winds in San Francisco, but stick to the bay. Delta for the most part. I heard the Dalmatian coast in Croatia is good. We would charter a monohull like I have now, an Oceanus 48 or similar. Thanks, Greg. Um, okay, Greg, I wrote you back, said give me a call. I don't respond to emails very well. If you want me to call you back, give me your phone number, and I will call you back. As a general, this is just for everybody writing me questions like this. I don't respond on email. Probably the most you'll get from me is uh, an email giving you my phone number and say, give me a call when you want to. I hate typing. I do enough in my day job that I don't do it for pleasure, and I tend to like to talk to people. But anyway, to answer your questions, let me pull up Google Earth here for a second. I'm not particularly as big a fan of Croatia as a lot of people are. It is definitely not uh, <laughs> not undiscovered. You're not going to go anywhere on the Dalmatian coast, which is uh, not without quite a few other boats in every anchorage you go to, as a general rule, especially where you want to go to little towns that have restaurants and cafes and stuff. They are hot spots for every charter sailor out there like yourself. And you can bet if a charter company has a charter base, it's a popular sailing destination. So Croatia is going to be crowded. It's uh, it's nice. It's relatively flat water. So, I mean, anywhere along the Croatian coast would be fine, but it is definitely going to be crowded and definitely not what I consider a real bargain location. It, it tends to be fairly expensive for food and everything else along the way. Uh, my my recommendation, if you want wind, <laughs> go, go over to the Aegean. Go over to the Cycladus, uh, the, uh, uh, the Saronic Gulf. Um, anywhere in the Aegean area will give you plenty of wind and you will have your three to five hour sails every day. There, there may be so much wind on some days that you won't be able to go north, but you could go east or west or south, depending on your, the comfort level you want. Areas in the Aegean that don't get a lot of, of uh, sailors would include around Chios, Samos, and basically all the islands north of that. Uh, correspondingly, uh, road south. But that gets to be a real windy area when you head south from Rhodes down to Carpathos and Cassos and then uh, again on to Crete. But that would be hard to come the other direction. The other area that I liked, I sailed in only one time, are the islands of Skyros, Skopelios, Scathios. Um, what are those called? I forget the name of that group of islands. But that's the northern Aegean islands. And you would probably charter uh, out of a town called Volos or actually on the island of Skathios, S-K-I-A-T-H-O-S, 
Scythios, Scathios, anyway. Uh, that that area, I've sailed there. There does not seem to be an excessive amount of sailors up in that area. And it's, it's an area I plan on going back to again. Again, one of my favorite islands is Chios, but I don't really know of any charter bases out of, of Chios, C-H-I-O-S. But you might look into that. Of course, you can always do the regular Claudus routes, which are, uh, you would maybe charter out of Kalamata Harbor in Athens and then work your way east through Kia, Andros, Tinos, Mykonos, Syros, Kithnos, Seraphos, Sifnos, Naxos, Eos. You might get down to Milos. Uh, even though I've only been there one time on my own sailboat. Well, it wasn't my sailboat. It was a charter boat. And, of course, everybody likes to go to Santorini. That's probably the most popular charter area in all of the Aegean is the uh, Kiklatis Islands. Anyway, that's the best I can do for you. I gave you my phone number. You're welcome to give me a call. With that, let's get on to my interview with Lucas... Gortsoniasis of the Aegean Cargo Sailing Voyage. And Lucas is running a business where he basically delivers food sourced by local farmers in Greece to the different Aegean islands, and he takes on crew members throughout the summer. He's got a website, which I will link to in the podcast, called sailmed.org. Not, Correct. Yeah, and my my website is medsailor.com, so we're not too far away from each other. So I'm look I'm at your website and I got an I'm talking to you today because I got an email from another listener saying, Hey, you know, you really should talk to this guy. He's got an interesting business that he's running. He's an interesting person. She had he had talked to you before, and so that's how we got in contact. So Lucas it's winter right now. It's just right after Christmas, December 29th, when we were recording this interview. Where are you located? Well, at this point, I'm spending a few days vacation in Paris, in France. Uh, and uh, the boats are uh, cannot go out of the port uh, during these last uh, month. Yeah, in the last month and probably for another two months, they are going to be stuck in the ports uh, because of COVID. Uh, every uh, boat that is not a professional ferry boat is uh, stuck in the in the ports. So it's time to organize other things. Okay, so let's first talk about what, you're, what you do, and then let's talk about how this year has been unusual for you because of the COVID. So... In a, go ahead and tell me about your business and what you do. And you're Greek. Exactly. So you, you're Greek, so you probably yeah. grew up sailing anyway. And uh, yeah, I I was born in uh, in Greece, and I uh, grew up. I I finished university before I left to Canada. But uh, what I'm doing now is essentially a business that uh, started uh, in my uh, retirement years. So I, I only started this. I'm 74 years old now, 
And uh, I started that about five years ago. As a matter of fact, it's not a for-profit business. It's, uh, a, it's a business, but it is uh, a uh, social, um, uh, social enterprise. So we are doing that essentially for the good of uh, uh, producers and for the good of tourism in Greece. Um, it's, um, the idea is to stop using uh, fuel uh, to, to move produce around. So uh, we go back to the sailing transportation as it was uh, about 150 years ago. Uh, for which Greece has a, a very long tradition. And all that uh, was started by a friend of mine uh, named uh, Jan Lundberg, who uh, was familiar with Greece because he came when he was a, a young boy. He even spent one school year in Greece. Then uh, back in California, he worked uh, at the beginning uh, for uh, the oil business. In, uh, he, he, his family had an analysis uh, magazine on, uh, on, on oil. But then he left all that he, and he decided he went all the way to ecological uh, work. So among his ecological projects, was one was to connect... Uh, uh, the Atlantic, the two sides of the Atlantic by sail, which is something that is happening now. It started 12 years ago. And then about uh, seven years ago, he came to Greece to start uh, this business of transportation by sail. And uh, we got together. By that time, I had uh, started living continuously in a sailboat in Greece. And, uh, and then we decided to work together and start this transportation business. So he had some ecologist friends who uh, started working with us the first uh, year. We found a number of uh, uh, people that uh, produce producers in, in Greece that were uh, doing uh, bio products and the traditional uh, uh, products. And uh, we found uh, some stores in, uh, in the same islands that we were selling uh, these high-quality products. So we started by transporting products from one island to the other and to the Athens area. And uh, we took it from there. When we published the first year's results uh, of the trip, uh, we got uh, a request to transfer oil olive oil to, to Italy. So next uh, spring, that's what we did. We uh, went to Italy with uh, one ton of oil, uh, olive oil in, uh, in a nine meter boat, my, my boat. And since then we never looked back. Uh, we started doing 18 islands tours in the Aegean. So in two months time, we go from island to island and uh, we started advertising about the possibility for tourists to come and join us. So the tourists come and uh, participate in this ecological transportation by one thing, transporting, helping us to transport things, and two, by uh, going to taste uh, and see the production of all these products in, uh, in the islands. 
So it is an eco-tourism project. And uh, that's what we've been doing for four continuous years now. Uh, this summer, we managed, despite the COVID, to do uh, three rounds of the Aegean and one trip to, to Italy and back, uh, transporting something like uh, 50 different uh, orders of products. And it has become quite well known. We have uh, been mentioned in the press uh, a few times. And uh, we are even thinking now of starting uh, a, a series of TV, a TV series uh, showing the islands we go to and the travel, the, the sailing travel between the islands. So that's where we are at this point. All right. So let me let's uh, let's start out. Where is your base? Well, let me ask you a little bit about your background. Whenever I met, meet anybody from Greece, I always have to ask them what island they are from, because most Greeks identify with the island they are, they were born in or their families from. Were you on an island or were you from the uh, the mainland in Greece? Downtown Athens, as a matter of fact, uh, very close to uh, Exarchia, which is the today it is kind of the anarchist uh, center of Athens. Uh, you try and sometimes read in the newspapers <laughs> about uh, the, the things that happen in that area. Uh, but I've left uh, the, uh, the city uh, when I was 23, and uh, essentially I, I, never, I never lived in, in the city anymore. I've, uh, I've lived in, uh, in another city in, uh, in Volos. I went to, uh, at 23, I went to Canada, to Montreal. Uh-huh. And I did uh, uh, a PhD in metallurgy. It was continuation of my studies in Greece. I did a PhD in metallurgy. I worked a few years in the steel industry. And then I came back to Greece. And I was given at the time the project to start a research and technology center in metals. Uh, but that was not in Athens. It was in Volos, uh, another port town uh, north of Greece, north, north of Athens. And... Uh, after eight years, I decided that uh, uh, I would rather continue career in, uh, in Brussels, uh, where the uh, European Union opened uh, all sorts of uh, uh, possibilities. And for 20 years, I, uh, I lived there. My children grew up in, uh, in Brussels and then went off to universities and so on. And then... Uh, after I finished working, I, I was already 65, I came back to Greece, and by the time I had picked up the sailing as essentially a, a, the way to live, I had bought, a, uh, at the time, I, uh, I had already bought a, a small sailboat, a nine-and-a-half-meter boat. It was already in Greece when I stopped working, and since that time, I started living continuously in that boat. Of course, getting out uh, to uh, meet family and friends here and there, but essentially going from port to port and enjoying life in the in the sea. Okay, so describe the boat that you now deliver goods with. Is it a is it a regular yacht? It is a regular yacht. Yeah, it's a regular uh, sailboat. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've used we've used already three different boats. One is my the boat that I have bought when I about 12 years ago. That is a 
nine and a half meter boat. And it was used uh, the first year for the around the Aegean and another uh, uh, two times going to Italy. Uh, but then we realized that that was too small a boat to have uh, more people on, like tourists and so on. And as of the second year, we started uh, renting other boats. So the second boat we rented, uh, the, the first boat we rented, or the second round, if you want, of the Aegean, we did uh, with a 13-meter sailboat, which is a uh, Gibsy French make uh, sailboat. And... Uh, after two years, uh, we went uh, for a very, very bigger boat, a uh, 15 mig- uh, meter, again, a um, uh, Gibsy. And that's the one we've used uh, for about six months this summer, uh, going to Italy and also around the Aegean Sea. It is a boat uh, that has uh, five cabins, five double cabins, and uh, with individual washrooms for each cabin. And it sails extremely well. I, uh, we, we sail uh, by, with practically any type of weather, and uh, it's, it goes quite fast. So it's, it's a boat that we will be using for quite some time. But it is rental because we don't have capital to, uh, to buy a boat at this point, and uh, it is so easy to find uh, sailing boats to rent in Greece because there is a, a big industry of um, uh, sailboats for rental. So you can find uh, anything you want without uh, any difficulty. So you and went, uh, you adapt. Okay, so you, you went, adapt the amount of business. Okay. okay. So you rent the boat. For how many months do you rent the boat then? Is it five months, four months, three months? Well, this this last year, why we rented it for six months. Okay. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, because of the COVID for two months, it wouldn't go anywhere. We started sailing and then we had to, to, uh, to close down, to, uh, went into lockdown. And then we came out another uh, four months and then eventually we completed a six-month period of uh, sailing. Okay. And so we went around the Aegean three times. Uh, uh, this uh, this year, and uh, a, a round trip to Italy, to uh, La Spezia, which is uh, close to Genoa. All right, so let's just talk about this summer's travels, and tell me where you started from. I follow you on Google Earth, because... Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, because I've, so, I've, I've sailed uh, in the Mediterranean uh, for okay. since 1998, so I'm very familiar with most of the places you probably sailed. So I'm going to have probably specific questions on on where you sailed. So start out at the beginning of of your commercial trip this year, and I'm going to follow along with you on Google Earth. Right. Okay. So uh, we uh, are on. We, we started from Lavrio. Lavrio is also the uh, official base for our company. Uh, and from there, we went to the first island is Kea, which is very close by. Uh, and, uh, and, and there we sort of have contact with uh, all sorts of uh, producers. Uh, one of them is a, an American lady living in Greece for a long time. who decided to try and make a, a flower out of... Um, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, just a sec. 
it's in english it's uh, um, some nuts from 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 uh, wild animals uh, for wild wild uh, wild trees oh, and uh, trees okay trying to think of the nuts that would be it wouldn't be wouldn't be hazelnuts would it no no it's not hazelnuts it's it's not something that you normally eat okay it's um uh, acorns acorns okay acorns. okay yes and apparently she knew that in uh, in california the uh, uh the aboriginals uh, uh were living on on acorns so she started that uh, the island has many acorns that were used in the past for uh, um, uh, chemical product, production. Uh, essentially, they were used to um, taint uh, leather for the leather industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got and, a lot of tannic acid in them. You're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, they, um, they stopped that. They went into a pure chemical uh, treatment of, of leather. So the, 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 the trees were there, but uh, they were u- useless. So she started using them to make flour. And, of course, the first step is to um, treat them with water to take the tannic uh, acid out. And then she has made uh, herself a nice, uh, a nice international, as a matter of fact, uh, commerce. She's selling biscuits and, uh, and uh, pasta and... Uh, all sorts of products made with acorn flour. Hmm. Okay. So she's. So you would. Did you pull into the main port there at, at Volkari on uh, Kia? Is that where you would where you would load up from, or Carissa? I would load up at the port from uh, for these products. Okay. And uh, and then there is another another producer there who uh, converted his. Uh, Grandfather's uh, 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 agricultural production into uh, products that he can export. So he sort of dries uh, the the uh, the tomatoes in the sun. He uh, makes uh, uh, liqueurs out of all sorts of different fruits and so on and so forth. And uh, he has a, a, an excellent commerce of uh, special type of. Uh, uh, Products, traditional products uh, that he that he sells uh, to practically all over the you know, all over the world. So we carry those. Uh, there is a cheese producer. There are honey producers in care, and so we take their products and then move them on to other islands and to the Athens area. Okay, so so that's care. So how long would you be now when you pull into this port? And you have a crew. Are you going to go up and visit uh, the cheese producers, the flour producers, and and stop in and, and see their production, or do you just take on a load of cargo and and move on? No, we do both. We we take cargo, and at the same time, we go and visit these producers. So we have a you know the the cheese maker shows us how he makes the cheese. There is a good the tasting of cheese and so on. Uh, same thing with the other producer of uh, uh, agri- other agricultural products and the, and the uh, acorn uh, production and so on. So usually we spend uh, one day traveling from island to island and two days on the island visiting uh, 
both product producers as well as um, uh, museums, archaeological sites, uh, beaches, and uh, uh, we we can climb and uh, and uh, to, to, to uh, see some of the old acropolises and so on. Okay. So it is a visit, a tourist visit combined with the production of natural products. Okay, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, I've been to Kia several times. It's one of my favorite islands. It's an island that's easy to get to from Athens and Lavrion. And, uh, Very good. And I've, t- I've taken a motor scooter all over that island. And uh, yes. it's, a fun, it's a fun island to visit. And you, you get out of the main port town, and you're all by yourself pretty quickly. You get up to the Cora up in the up at the top of the hill and as i recall yes. there was a core up there yes there there is there's a core that i visited yeah yeah and uh yeah louis l o u i s is how it's looking here on google earth and uh yeah that was that's a fun island to visit and you're spending about the right amount of time sailing versus traveling in my opinion i think it should be about a 2 to 1 ratio anyway when you're traveling around the Mediterranean. Now, you're in the Aegean, and so it's notorious for the Maltimis in the summer. And, uh, yeah. And we're not going to talk about that right now because I've talked about that many times. But let's just talk about where you went to after you left Kia uh, this yeah. last summer. Okay. Well, then then the next island is uh, we do 18 islands, okay? So uh-huh. the, next, the second island is Andros. Which you probably know as well. You know, I, I have never visited Andros. I've been by it a million times, but I've never stopped at Andros. So that's one of the few islands I haven't visited over in the uh, in the Aegean. It's because it has a high mountain, and uh, because of that, it has a lot of water. So it is uh, fertile. As a matter of fact, uh, there is a, uh, a a water a source uh, that is used for bottled water. In uh, in Andros, uh, okay, in, yeah, and there is uh, all sort of uh, 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 production in in Andros as well. We we deal with uh, uh, again uh, with cheese producers in in Andros. It's uh, a, a small family uh, production of uh, a mother and, and daughter uh, produce uh, small quantities, but excellent one, uh, excellent cheese. Uh, we have uh, also uh, someone on the in the port of Andros, uh, not the, the old port, but rather the new, the, the, the modern port, uh, who has a um, a grocery com uh, uh, little restaurant uh, arrangement right at the port, and he imports all sorts of exotic products from everywhere he can find. So he's a very good client of us in some way. So are you going? Are you going into the uh, port of Gavrio, or are you going around to the east side of Andros, to the port of Andros? Then, mainly we go to Gavrio, okay. unless uh, sometimes the the weather conditions are, are better to uh, to take us to to the main port. Um, but we've usually it is Gavrio. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and there in uh, in in Andros, as I as I told you, we we have uh, also uh, one of our members, one of the people that work on the, on us, uh, Vimitra, uh, lives on in Andros, and uh, she is involved, and her husband is involved in uh, uh, natural 
uh, agriculture. Uh, he's just started uh, this year a natural agriculture uh, exploitation. Uh, so it's uh, kind of runs throughout our business to to work with uh, natural production uh, uh, in over the land. Okay, I'm looking. I'm zooming in on the port of Andros, and it looks like there's a small port harbor that, or a small boat harbor there. But where do the big boats go? Where do where do you tie up when you go into Andros? The big boats go to Lavrio. Oh, okay. They go to Lavriot. Okay. And as a matter of fact, because Andros is very close to, to the mainland, uh, there are many boats that go to, to that uh, Lavrion port. Uh, in one day, you may have something like uh, 10 boats moving in and out. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you a question. You're taking on cargo, taking on cargo. So I imagine you take on a certain amount of cargo in Kia. Do you offload any in uh, in in Andros, or do you take on just additional cargo in Andros? Well, uh, we do get uh, additional cargo in Andros, yes, but uh, we also uh, we've unloaded quite a few times cargo in uh, in uh, in uh, Andros because uh, there is this uh, uh, grocery store in uh, grocery room restaurant uh, which is called. Uh, uh, Andrea Copa do Polio, that's the name of it. Uh, and uh, Yanni uh, buys very often products that we uh, we take from other islands. Uh, he, for example, he uh, buys wine, a lot of wine. He's buying honey from uh, from Kea, cheese from Kea, and so on. Okay. But we also carry cheese from Andros as well. Okay. So now, are you charging a delivery fee for doing this, or is it is, is are most of your costs covered by the tourism part of this? Yeah, the tourism part uh, covers most of the costs because the uh, with small quantities of of cargo, you cannot pay for the running of the boat. So the idea was from the very beginning to uh, have extra income from the tourists. Actually, that is what happens also in the Atlantic. In the Atlantic, there are now something like 10 boats that uh, uh, travel around carrying cargo, but they also uh, have uh, tourists. And uh, so we sort of decided to copy them a bit, but we are doing a different kind of tourism because of the the islands, which are very attractive. Yeah, if I had the choice of sailing back and forth across the Atlantic versus sailing in Greece, I'd choose Greece any time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So from Andros, where do you head to next? So the next uh, the next island is, uh, as a matter of fact, it is geographic. You have to choose uh, jumping from island to island in a reasonable distance. So the next one is uh, uh, Skiros. Skiros. Okay. So hopping on down to the main ferry port, Ermopoli. Ermopoli. Okay. Yeah. Not the Skiros, Skiros. Skiros. Okay, you, good point. You get good. You pointed that out to me. Skiros. All right. Skiros. Right. If knows, I've got to find it here. Skiros. It's north of London, uh, off the one big main island of Evia. Oh, you're going way back up north then. Okay, Skiros. Yeah, I've been there. That's a neat little island. So you're heading. Twi- you're heading quite a ways north at that point in time. So that's right. What we do is that we wanted from the very beginning to cover the whole 
of the Aegean. So we go up north as much as possible, mm-hmm. and then go as far south as possible, and and back to Lavrium. That's that's what we do. Yeah, because you can always go south, but you can't always go north. So if you've got a weather window, take take advantage of it and go north then, right? You can go north. If, if you are in a modern sailboat, uh, You it may take you twice the time to go against the wind, but you can still get uh, there even against the wind. And I've done it a couple of times, and it's it's okay. It, it can be uh, a little bit tiring for, you know, doing extra hours. Uh, last time we went to Skiros, we spent, I think, about 12 hours going against the wind. Okay. Now, you, do you ever turn on your engine? Uh, very rarely. Uh, it's only if there is absolutely no wind. And uh, for one reason or another, we want to uh, make sure that we go uh, through the, uh, uh, you know, that we don't spend too many days waiting for the wind. Right. Okay. Um, very often happens is that you have these areas of uh, dead uh, dead areas in between wind areas. So sometimes we may turn on the engine to say for half an hour to go from one wind area to the next wind area. Now, are these wind areas consistent throughout the summer? I mean, you've been there, you've been sailing a long time, so you probably know where they are. Where I'm not sure I could identify the wind areas. Uh, are they no. consistent from year to year? Or is it just by day, day by day? What is consistent is a pattern of uh, what I call um, um, funnels that uh, develop in between the islands. Mm-hmm. You see, <laughs> islands have a tendency to create a shade. And uh, because the, the wind is not always from the same direction, the shade of the islands does change position. And so sometimes you want to be in the shade if the wind is too strong, or sometimes you want to be out of the shade to take advantage of the little wind you have. Yeah. And go away by the uh, predictions, the, uh, the wind predictions, uh, and uh, decide which road you take each time. Okay. I know one notorious area for, uh, for high, and I've been caught in it several times, is between... Ikaria and Samos, that that patch of uh, ocean there, that's notorious for high winds, and I've been caught in in that. And it's yep. always from the north. So as long as you're coming down from Kios down, you're fine, but it still gets pretty even, – even if you're down to your smallest sail, that can be notoriously high wind right through that pass. At least that's been my yeah, experience. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite, quite strong. Well, sometimes we do – Say, okay, let's spend one day extra in the port to take better wind the next day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've been but stuck in port for many more than one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with a 50-meter boat, uh, you, can, you can take a lot of wind. I mean, uh, you, I, I, we take uh, a seven wind, uh, if it is side wind or uh, uh, tail wind, uh, in, 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 uh, without thinking. You see, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy. Uh, against the wind, uh, I, you know, I go to about six, uh, six or four against the wind. Okay. But, uh, yeah. 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 At some point in time, it's just you're, you're gaining so little and the waves are pushing you back. And it's just, it's just a, 
a strong point of diminishing returns when it gets much windier than that. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So, so you pull into that little little port of Lenara on Skiros. Is that where you go? Yeah, they do have another port that is that is stays unused. Apparently, they've not done a very good job with uh, the uh, access to to the port, and it's dangerous. That's what I've heard from people. And I always go to that little port because it it is one of the best ports, the best organized ports in Greece. It's extremely small, but the service you get is uh, very high quality. All right, where is that? Because I'm going to go back there the next time I go to Skiros because I like Skiros. Which one? It's on the it's on the uh, well northwest end of the of the island. Northwest or, end, okay. So I'm near the air, near the airport. It's from the south, but uh, the the position is kind of more northwest. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a bay on the on the west side with an opening to the south. Okay, I'm going to zoom in and see if I can figure out where that is. Oh, that's probably it. It's uh, it's it's fairly close to the airport, Kira Pananga, Panagia. Yeah, I see a bay, uh, fairly close to the airport. Uh, no, 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 no. The airport, the airport is exposed to the north wind. No, right. No, the, but this the, is this is south of the airport. South of the airport on the west side, I see this bay, and I actually drove out to that bay. When I was on Skiros uh-huh. before, I rented a car, and I thought, well, that looks like that would be an interesting place to go. But it doesn't look like it has many services. It's just a bay. Is that right? Uh, no, no. When you – no, the one I'm talking about, which is Linaria, is um, – it, it has it, – it, that's where the, the, the ferry boat goes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one I was talking about. I just pronounce it differently than you do. Lenayar. Yeah. yeah, I've stayed there. That's actually a that's where I that seems to be the main port, Lenaria is where I go. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the main port. Okay, good. Well we're both in compliance with uh that's the place to go. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And the and the port police seem to be very reasonable at that place too. I yeah. like I like the port police at that place. Yes, 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 yes. And, uh, well, that, that island has many interesting things. Like, for example, they, there is a, a, a race of uh, small horses uh, on that island. And there are people that uh, sort of dedicate their time to try and preserve them uh, by, uh, you know, uh, feed them, corralling them, uh, and uh, doing a little bit of uh, tourist, tourism around the, the horses to, um, to be able to, to keep them uh, uh, existing. Uh, then uh, you you have uh, excellent wine. In the last few years, they uh, a couple of people have started uh, uh, new wineries there, and there is excellent wine from Skiros, and unknown because it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's no it's not traditional wine. All the traditional wine of Skiros uh, disappeared a few years back when the phylloxera hit uh, the uh, the vines uh, and now they are starting again oh okay okay i know i saw a lot of local wines when i was there before i but not knowing anything about wines i just grabbed a bottle it was fairly reasonable and it was good it was good yeah yeah all right so what do you take on what cargo do you take on when you come to skiros then skiros it's mainly the wine 
That's okay. The, that's the the main product there. Yeah. All right. So now there now, are other products. So where do you take on? Where where are you storing where are you storing the cargo in your boat? Because I'm thinking you well, don't want it at the front or the back. You probably want it in the center of the boat as much as possible, don't you? Uh, well, the reality is that uh, in in the center uh, you have cabins in the center, but they are kind of uh, uh, ahead of the uh, of the of the mast. Mm-hmm. So I I'd rather I use. Uh, the in the big boat, I use the one of the rear cabins. Okay, okay. So one cabin is for transport. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so you're taking on wine at Skiros, and uh, yeah. are are you staying up in the, that group of islands while you're there? What's your next island after Skiros? Then, then the next one is uh, uh, the the Sporadi Islands. So it is um, further north. Mm-hmm. The uh, Scopolos. Scopolos. Yep, yep. I think they filmed a movie there, didn't they? As I recall, yes, it was Mamma yeah. Mia. They filmed there, and every night in the every night in the local theater, they play Mamma Mia in the summer there. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah. That was that was yeah. windy going through that pass between Scopolos and uh, Alonis. Alonisos, going through Alonisos, that pass for yeah. me, that was very, that was pretty windy getting over to the main port of Scopilios or Scopilos. But Scopilos. Uh, yes, it's kind of uh, the north wind is hitting straight there. The port is okay. Yeah, the port uh, was it, fine. Uh, yeah, but but to get there, sometimes you you get very strong wind. But you know, uh, people talk as if uh, there is continuous north wind. Uh, uh, impossible continuous north wind. That's not my experience. My experience is that uh, yes, you do have uh, some strong winds, but uh, uh, you find uh, uh, windows to be able to move from island to island. Yeah, you always like do. The, you always find out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. You always find it comes and goes and comes and goes. But I, there has been times when it's been very strong for. For me, more than one day when I said, oh, screw it. Let's just stay in this place for a little while longer. Yeah, One or two days you may get stuck in the port. But yeah. not, uh, it's very rare that you get stuck for a whole week. Very rare. Yeah, now, Scopelios is a big island, and I've driven around that island. I always like to rent a car and drive around these islands. And they probably yes. have a lot of uh, agriculture produce on this one. What's the main? What are you looking for when you get to Scopelios? Well, the the one product that uh, we found that uh, is a quite uh, quite important is uh, uh, these dried uh, plums. They have a, a a kind of plums that are unique in the world. They took some French plums from uh, uh, an area in France, which is the the plum uh, area of France, and they transplanted them and they. Uh, um, uh, used some local plum uh, trees as well, and they cr- created a new type of, uh, of plum. And that one, they dry them in the sun, and now they dry them in uh, uh, biologically, uh, I mean, in a biological exploitation. They use uh, a wood-fired uh, oven uh, that is uh, very modern. It is uh, controlled by... Uh, 
you know, electronic, uh, electronically controlled. But nevertheless, the heating is not fuel, it is uh, uh, wood. And uh, so they have these excellent products uh, which uh, are exported all over the place. Uh, that is the most, um, uh, what should I say, important product that is very special in, in Skopelos. Okay. Of course, is always there. Uh, there is also wine. It's, uh, they are starting some very good wine production in, uh, in the island, on the island. And then they also make uh, um, uh, some uh, some ceramic products and uh, and so on. So there is uh, quite uh, quite a bit of interest in all that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I like that group of islands. I've only been there one time. I plan on going back again because it was not very crowded from a sailor's perspective. It's, uh, That's right. Yeah. And... Uh, I guess there is a charter base, but that might be over on Scathios that does wrench sailboats. Is that right? Yeah. In fact, that used to be. And uh, last time I went there, I found out that the floating quay they had for the rental boats is no longer uh, uh, in place. Uh, something, <laughs> happened, yeah. something has happened and they, they, they destroyed the, uh, that base. I don't know. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I tied up to those floating docks, and I wondered how durable really are they in this, because the winters can be pretty treacherous in those islands. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not that I think that uh, there was something with a business, uh, the business uh, development there that went wrong. Okay. Um, but Scaphos is a very touristy island. If you want, it is... Uh, the third most touristy island in Greece, right after Mykonos and uh, and Santorini. Yeah, it seemed to be. It seemed to get a lot of not sailboat tourists so much, just as land based tourists, because yeah. there's an airport there. I guess people fly in and out of. Yeah. Yes, yes, and there are many many international flights going to Skiathos. You you can have twenty planes a day uh, in Skiathos coming from the Scandinavia, UK, you name. Okay. But uh, we, that's that's why we don't normally go there unless we need to to, to take someone or to let someone take a plane uh, out. Of. Otherwise, we go to Skopelos, and then we go to Alonsos. Okay, Alonsos. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. little ports there in Alonsos that I really like. One really narrow port with a small dock that I visited. I don't. Stenivala. It's called Stenivala. Okay, you're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. With many restaurants around. Yep, that's the one. I'm zooming in on it right now, and I really like that little port. Yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. where you go? Is that where you go, or do you go down to the uh, the main port there? I go to the main port because uh, that's where I have uh, my contacts with uh, uh, producers. You see, there is a uh, there is production of um, uh, tuna, white tuna, uh, which is called. Uh, uh, Alonisus tuna, and uh, we are moving quite a bit of that uh, to the Ivar Islands and to, to the Athens area. Okay, yeah, I've been down to that main port as well, and I like that port as well. That's a Patriti, Patitiri. Is that the name of it? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, Patitiri, right? Yeah. Okay, I like that port as well. Both of them are a lot of fun for me when I visited there. 
Atitiri means uh, 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 grape pressing, grape press. Grape press, okay, okay. Uh, that is also an island that used to have a, a fantastic production of, of wine. Actually, they were quite rich uh, from the wine production. And they went, uh, everything was destroyed by that phylloxera hmm. uh, about 40 years back, 40, 50 years back. And they, it never came back. But uh, this, uh, these last two or three years, there are uh, a couple new uh, wineries starting. Okay. And uh, we'll, we're going to have good wine out of that, I for sure. Yeah, I've never rented a car on that island. That's one I haven't visited any except for the ports. I haven't gone inland at all on that island. But it looks like there's yeah. one main road going up and down the the, the north. Up well, to the, the island is very well known because it is the uh, the uh, the center of one uh, natural park, a sea natural park, uh, for the preservation mainly of the Monacus Monacus. Uh, seal, and uh, of which there are only a couple of hundred uh, uh, species, uh, uh, a couple of hundred uh, animals left, and uh, also for the preservation of uh, other sea life. Okay. Lucas, uh, we've almost gone an hour now. I'm going to stop this recording and start a new one because you're getting a lot of local information that I've never had before on these islands, and I want to keep digging into your brain on this. So hold on just a second. All right. Yeah. The website for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond is www.medsailor.com. Again, medsailor.com. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.